Let's do this. Okay. I think we're on Perkhet, Pasuk yes. Aleph. Exactly. All right. Uh, just last time we, we, we discussed... Uh, do not make sure to burn the idols of their gods. Uh, do not desire the gold and silver that is on them and take it. There is a very, very big relationship which I want to I mean explain to you the dynamic of between money and Abu Dazara, gold and silver and Abu Dazara, the, the golden calf. Why is it? Why is it that they always make it out of gold and out of, out of, out of? Uh, it, it's very tied to wealth. The the real, the dynamic there, the the depth behind it is that Avodazara, and we're going to be discussing this very much at length and in depth because it's one of the deepest, really one of the deepest concepts in Yahudut to understand and to wrap your head around is the nature of Avodazara because we only have um, fifty one mitzvot telling us. <laughs> Not to do Abu Dazara. If you look in Rambam, if you look in, in Rambam in his Hilchot Abu Dazara, yeah, I think it's fifty-one total mitzvot that have to do with keeping away from Abu Dazara. So it's not just something that oh they used to do and we're done with. Abu Dazara represents something deep down within, in, within the human uh, within the human psyche yeah, within the human being. Like getting angry is a form of uh, anger. Is a form I, I, of yeah, but but exactly, but but it's, you have to once you understand the nature of Abu Dazara and where it comes from within the soul, then then the important thing is to be able to see it in every generation, meaning if it's something that comes from within us, within the human being, and it's something very deep rooted, then there it, it doesn't go away. Then it may look different today, but it's still the same, concept. Still the same concept, just with a different covering. So that's what it form. changes form. It shape shifts, but it doesn't change in actuality. One of so one of so we're going to keep picking at the idea until somebody here comes up with an understanding of what exactly it is. But what we know so far about Budazara is that it's tied to wealth, and one of the reasons for that is that when a person has a lot of money and when they have a lot of security, they start feeling like they don't need God. And they start feeling like maybe I'm I I'm good on my own. So there is a real relationship between having financial comfort and forgetting God, and that's one of the first relationships between Abu Dazara and money. Anyways, let's go to Perakhet because this, these ideas will be discussed more explicitly in the Psukim. All the mitzvah that I'm commanding you today, today you should keep so that you live and you multiply and you'll come and you'll take over the land that I have promised your forefathers. And that's in line with what we've been saying so far. By the way, I don't necessarily think... Um, there is a, a paragraph break, like a Jewish paragraph break also here. But the, the prakim, as we've probably said before, the prakim were made by, by Christians. We don't use... If you want to try to trace... A flow of ideas. Do not rely on the break in the prakim mm-hmm. by uh, Aleph Bet Aleph Bet Gimel. That that prakim, those are done by Christian editors. We use them because they're very convenient. Because we ourselves didn't have a chapter verse breakdown to be able to locate psukim easily. But we don't use them when interpreting the text. So just because there's a parak here doesn't mean it's like a new speech yeah, or anything. It's, it's, it's just a, it could be it could just be a continuation. Okay. Now what we do have is the is the 
uh, the paragraph breaks, those are Jewish, yes. right? So if you see, there's a little, there's a break yes. uh, where at the end of that previous paragraph, there is a little bit of an empty space. That is, that does, that is a Jewish break. Which is also in the, te- in the, t- in the Jewish text. Yeah, that, meaning that, that's done by the Jewish, we have it in the Torah, Torah exactly, yeah. exactly. And there are those, there are halakhic rules about how to deal with those. And it, it, the, the halakhot regarding those paragraph breaks, you know, when they come up with the size of an aliyah. You're not allowed to finish an aliyah within three psukim of a paragraph break. You can't finish an aliyah within three psukim of the end of a paragraph or within three psukim of the beginning of a paragraph. And that's one of the reasons we add a pasuk in Rosh Chodesh, by the way. There's a whole, yes. I think, we can go through it another time. But, oh. So you should keep the mitzvot, you will live in the land that I promised your forefathers. You will remember the whole travelings that I made you do in the these 40 years in the desert. Why? In order to make you struggle and suffer a little. To test you to know if it is within your heart to keep the mitzvot or no. Very interesting. This is the we've been introduced. This is the first time Moshe Rabbeinu is introducing this concept. Very interesting. We're being tested by Akadosh Baruch Hu. Let's continue. By the way, it's every day. This is not. It's all, all the time. Yeah. I, well, it's yes. Testing your the, the, the Torah is, is is everlasting. Patsukimol vayannecha vayar ayvecha vayachilecha etaman ashelo yadata velo yaderona botecha lemanu diacha ki lo ala lechem levado yichia adam ki al kol mosafi adonai yichia adam. And he made you hungry. And he starved you, but then he gave you the man that you did not know what it was, and your fathers had never known what it was, to let you know that it is not by bread alone that man could live, but rather by the word of God that man lives. Wow, such beautiful language. Mushrabenu. What a speech. So many beautiful psukim. Let's read a little bit more. Your uh, clothing or your your dress or it's, it's your garment, yeah. Never withered from on you. And your feet did not get swollen from the from the travel. for these years. What's the idea? So the midrashim say that they that it was growing with them and the, the ground underneath underneath them was very comfortable, so that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't uh, their feet wouldn't get swollen. I think the peshat is that bore olam. Uh, gave them enough comfort so that their clothes, their, their clothes, you know, whenever a person goes and roams around in the desert, his clothing deteriorates very quickly, sure. right? But if you're in a comfortable city, obviously because there's civilization, you're not your clothing and your and your feet are gonna are gonna handle it better. So it seems like the peshat is that although we were in the desert, we had the comforts of normal everyday life to the extent that our clothing would deteriorate at a normal speed, meaning. I don't necessarily know if there was a miracle that the Midrashim say there was a miracle that specifically happened to the clothing that the clothing never wore out and it grew with the people as well. So they never had to change. But I think maybe the Peshat is that no, their clothing wore out, but not at the speed that it would happen in the desert. It happened, they were, Hashem made them so comfortable that their clothing wore out as if they were in the city or in Great Neck, you know. The cleanliness. More yeah, it was more clean. Borei Olam protected them with the with the cloud, and he made sure there were no sandstorms. Imagine they ran into a sandstorm. Yeah. What would have happened then? Hmm. You know, uh, their clothing would have been gone. So, so uh, it was a, there was a certain level of comfort that they had. And you should know in your heart that it is the way 
that a man rebukes his son, that is how God rebukes you. That is the way that God chastens you. This is a, a very beautiful, uh, uh, we, we said a lot of amazing things so far. The idea that Borei Olam, he gives us these tests in order to test us, to test our commitment to him. Hatishmor mitzvotav imlo, if we're going to keep his mitzvot. And another thing that's very interesting is that it says he starved you and then he gave you the man also as a test. So let's explore these two things. First of all, for doing clarity podcast, this is a perfect sukim to, to discuss yeah. because the idea is our tests in life are for our, our means for us to grow. Uh, no, we don't know why Borei Olam gives it to us, but we do know that from our perspective, we know that we could grow from them. We know that we could take the approach of growing from them. Also, the way Borei Olam treated the people in the desert and probably the way he treats us in our everyday lives, the tests that we have are like the tests that a father gives to the child. It's their tests that are not debilitatingly, they're not, they're not there to destroy your life. Yeah, they're there to, to, to see what you're missing in your life and to help you grow to that extent. Because at the end of the day, we spoke about this very often in our other shiur, you have two choices. You have a life of comfort, we have a life of growth. Now it is a life of growth, of growth and the development of the neshama that you're going to be able to take with you to the next world. So what would you rather? To, live a, to have a lot of material possessions or to have a lot of spiritual possessions? Obviously, you would much rather have more spiritual possessions, things that are everlasting. And that's what tests, the tests in life they give us. They give us spiritual possessions. So next time a person gets tested, you look at it and say, wow, Borei Olam is giving me an opportunity to acquire spiritual possessions right now. That's the way you look at it. You look at it as a means of everlasting growth. Yeah, we are seeing it today. COVID. Yeah. This is, this is yeah, exactly. It's, exactly. It's interesting because it says, it's like almost like, it's basically saying, even, even the star- starving was for your, it's, for your good. It was for your good. It's also, it's ordained, for it's also ordained from God. It's, it's, not, yeah, exactly. it's not like something that happened and then yeah, God yeah, came and saved you. It's always for your, your kid. Whatever. Your kid's like, but daddy, let's take the car, but we have to walk. If no, you're lucky, for you walk. If yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's the way it is. It's good for your future. They say they say parents should give their kids vitamin N. There's a book, the famous book. There's a vitamin N. There's a there's a vitamin N means vitamin no to tell your kids no. By the way, the. There, there's a famous book called The Blessing of a Skinned Knee, I think. There's Rabbi Bitton always talks about it. I never read it because, I mean, I don't have kids, so I, I didn't find that relevant. But, but uh, apparently the idea behind the book, which is a, a very simple concept, is that, is that having kids struggle is a, is, a, is a bracha, and it's something that parents should even let happen. And a lot of times parents are a little bit too protective, so they guard their kids against any difficulty, against any struggle, against any pain. You know, anytime they see them doing something a little bit dangerous, but not life-threatening, obviously, they say, no, don't do that, it's dangerous. Why? Well, maybe he should do the dangerous thing. So he if learns. he gets hit in the head he and, he, and he gets hurt for a couple of days, it's, he, growth. it's growth, it's good. He learns what pain means. He learns, he learns how to cope with life's difficulties. So that's considered a good thing. And that's what we see is Borei Olam's approach. So talking about, talk about the sophistication of, of the psychology in the Torah. It's like, uh, who, who, there, there's no better parenting class than this. And then the, the way the Borei Olam was, was helping Am Israel grow in the desert. So the, the idea is to allow for some difficulty to occur in the child's life while guarding them from anything catastrophic going on, which way, is what Borei Olam did. The way I've learned from, from, from a shiur many years ago from Rabbi Moshe Simatov, he said 
when you tell your child for chinuch, when you tell your child, a little boy, don't climb on the chair, you're gonna fall, you're gonna get hurt. Don't climb on the chair, you're gonna fall. You reward him, you warn him. And then he falls and he gets hurt. Do not tell him, I told you you're gonna get hurt. He knows he got hurt. <laughs> He's hurting. Take him and hug him. Say, are you okay? And that's really, beautiful. Because the message, you did what you had to do, but he, you don't have to no, say it. That is his responsibility. That is also the reason why many times I've heard Rabbi say, when Hashem gives you something that even it's negative, He will never give you something that you cannot bear. Because yeah. if He cannot bear it, that means He's giving you the I mean, punishment that you cannot Look, I, I wouldn't even say but that. Instead of giving you something to grow. Uh, for sure, 99.9% .9 of the difficulties we have in life are in that category. It's a blessing. I, I wouldn't want to say a blanket statement like that. I, I Because we don't know the way Borei Olam works. There are some people that go through... Like there are some people that miskenim, you yes, see things yes, that they go through well. that I yes. don't know how people yes. could overcome. Yes. So I don't, I never make blanket statements about the way Borei Olam works. I, but, but I don't know if God gives us things that we could always handle. I don't know if that's necessarily so. Sometimes people get things that I just don't know how a person is supposed to handle. Um, but on the flip side, if we're going to be smart about it, let's look at our experiences in life as opportunities for growth instead of seeing them as the end of the world. You know, because most of the 99.9% of the time, it is something we could overcome. And now what's the idea behind the man? Obviously, the man was the ultimate testament of, of emunah, right? Every day... You're thinking, you don't know where your next meal is going to yes. come from, and you don't know if it's going to come at all, and you're not allowed to prepare for the future. Bye. So what an interesting thing. It's training Am Israel to live with uncertainty. It's something we speak about very often also, wow. and the clarity. So 40 um, years of just giving uh, them the... 40 years of living with uncertainty. You don't know if tomorrow you're going to have the food. Is it going to be out, 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 out of my uh, doorstep? Now what's interesting is that there's a relationship between the man and Eretz Israel. Because the same way the man trained us to live with uncertainty, also the land of Israel trains us to live with uncertainty. That later in the parasha we're going to say that the Mitzrayim is... It says, it's not a time where you just go and you kick, you'd kick the water from the Nile onto your fruits and it was fine. And you the rain, the rain comes at the right time. The rain, it's based on the rain, which means that every year you live with a level of uncertainty or is, will my crop be fed the water that it needs? So there's a certain concept, a very, very important concept in the Yadut of being able to cope with uncertainty. Shemitah and, and your our, will. Right, and our methodology in coping with uncertainty is developing our emunah and our connection to God more. and relying on God more. It's a beautiful idea and that's beautiful. what I think is represented in the man. Okay? Ki Tova. God is bringing you to a good land. It's a land of right streams of water. Uh, sorry, it was my fault. That was late today. Uh, springs and 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 pits of water that come out of the of the of the fields and on the mountains. Now all of these streams are dependent on the rain because the source of all. If these things don't get rain, they dry up. So it's it's not in contradiction to what we said before. Uh, a land of, of wheat, barley, spelt, uh, whatever these are. Uh, no, sorry, sorry. Wheat, wheat, barley, not spelt. Wheat, barley, uh, grape, fig, pomegranate, and zet shemen is uh, uh, olive, uh, olive oil, devash is date, dates and date honey. Eretz Alright, let's just get to the last pasuk. You will eat the bread with not with lack. You will have plenty. Uh, there's nothing that will be lacking in it. A land that the stones will turn to iron. 
and from the, the, the mountains you can take uh, copper. Okay? And you will eat and you'll be satiated and you will bless Borei Olam, you will bless Hashem for the good land that He's given you. Now, one, a couple of points quickly. This land, we saying it's all these good things, but later in the parasha, again, we're going to make it clear. It's good things dependent on if you have a munah because yes. Borei Olam controls the tap. Yes. The tap is the ring. If you don't have a munah, if you're not good, then, the, then you don't have. Now, what, what was it that Rabbi Maruf said about Beautiful thing that Daniel was saying at the beginning. He was saying beautifully that we expect you to make berachot before you eat something. Because you, you, if you want to eat something, you ask for permission. You know, uh, you're, you're hungry. But what, is, but what does Judaism teach you to do? After you eat. After you eat is when the real chova is. Because this is the only place. All of the berachot, the berachot are midrabanan. Are, they're from the rabbis. But, which bracha is from the Torah? Just Birkat Amazon. Yeah. Which means that the Torah realizes that the real emphasis that has to be made is not when the person is hungry. Of course, when the person when is hungry, they're going to When you're full, that's the real test. When you're full, tomorrow we're going to discuss. Now you're going to see the progression in Moshe Rabbeinu's speech where he's going to go into what happens when you're full and you forget Boreolam. Which is the Next piece. Amen. 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 Amen.